athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Pedal to the metal, y'all. I ain't got to settle, y'all. I'm on different level, y'all. You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. When we have to cheer because the justice system is so bad for black people in the past that we have to cheer when something as obvious as what happened to George Floyd happened and we have to cheer because there is a conviction on it. We have video. There's definitely something wrong in America. It's got to change. We have, we're cheering because of the obvious. Like, it, it's no doubt that Derek Chauvin was guilty, right? Uh, but because of Rodney King and because of so many other things uh, that have happened in the past, to black folks at the hands of the police and whereas those police officers were acquitted or not charged properly or the char you know whatever right we have to cheer when something like this happens we have to get excited uh, about something like this happening and I, I just think that's a shame I mean I mean it should have been no doubt that Derek Chauvin was guilty so uh, with that said, we got a whole lot to get to on the program today. And, you know, we must not forget. I, I'm going to leave this alone, but we must not also forget about those that did not receive justice. The Rodney Kings uh, of the world. There, I mean, there's so many others that did not receive justice. I, the the the. The juxtaposition, if you will, of Emmett Till and George Floyd, I think is very interesting. But to the point, it was the police that had a hand in that murder of Emmett Till. And ultimately, uh, the, the, the defendants were found not guilty. So something's got to change. Listen, whole lot to get to on today's program. Um, look, the NBA, hot and heavy, right? Like, I mean, we're coming down to the wire, what, maybe about 13 to 15 games remaining, whatever, you know, the amount that your respective team has that is remaining, right? And I look, you know, I, I look at this, like I look at what Steph Curry had done over 10 games prior to facing the Washington Washington Wizards and, of course, the Wizards winning uh, that game on Wednesday night and Curry was way off the mark, right? Like he put himself into the conversation of MVP. Like, I mean, I thought it was going to be hard for him to get the MVP anyway, just because Golden State wasn't great and he's putting on the run a little bit late. But I mean, we're, you're going to have bad nights. Like, I don't think this disqualifies him from the, the running of 
the MVP. I don't know that he was ever like really in the running per se, but I mean, what a season he's had. You know, Golden State trying to make a run, right? Like we talk about these teams last 13 to 15 games trying to make a little bit of a run. Well, guess what? Golden State is trying to make that run. They're trying to stay out of the play-in situation, and we'll see ultimately what happens with the Warriors. But I think when you look at the Warriors and what this Warriors team is doing, no Klay Thompson uh, this year, I mean, it is it is something to see. You know, it is really something to see. I mean, I think Oubre has been absolutely phenomenal. Like, when the Wizards traded him to Phoenix, I'm like, okay, well, he he probably capped out a little bit, right? Like, he wasn't, you know, first couple of years, he was solid for the Wizards. Last couple of years, not so much. And I thought he had capped out, but he, he obviously has taken his, even in Phoenix, right? Even last year in Phoenix, took his game to another level with the three-point shot. And then he's always had that athleticism. So he's shown that he can really be a legitimate second scorer for the Warriors. Now, whether or not, I mean, the Warriors, I think pretty much are going to make the play-in situation. Whether or not they can get one of those top six seeds remains to be seen. I think it's going to be awfully tough. But good to know that Steph Curry has some help, at least on the offensive side of uh, at least from an offensive perspective. We know James Weissman has been injured, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, I tell you what, I don't know if the Warriors uh, can make it. But, I mean, I tell you what, I really have enjoyed watching what Steph Curry is doing. Speaking of the NBA, you know, the Lakers, right? Like, can the Lakers really make this run? They're the defending champions. You look at Anthony Davis, LeBron James, been out, right? Davis comes back I mean is this enough time for them to come back to gel with the team and then make another playoff run like they're they're trying to keep themselves out of the fray of the play-in situation as well and you know I I, you know some of the pieces are are solid but I don't know if there's enough pieces like I don't think the Lakers can defend the championship this year healthy LeBron healthy Anthony Davis I just don't think that the Lakers, like too much time was too much time to me for especially Anthony Davis, but too much time with LeBron James and Anthony Davis together and then meshing again with the players that are there that have been carrying the load. I think it's just a little bit too much to overcome for the Lakers, for the Lakers to in fact win the championship uh, again this year, but ultimately we'll have to see how things play out. I'm looking at, the Washington Wizards, and I'm looking at the Wizards like, okay, you know, currently sitting right around that 10th spot was, I mean, I think earlier in the week may have been 13th. I mean, you look at the Wizards, I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference, like the Eastern Conference, not good at all. But I look at the Wizards, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe you can make the play-in situation. I mean, well under 500. But, I mean, the Wizards, you know, up until – the game against Golden State had won uh, six games in a row, seven of their last eight. Can they make a push? I don't think the the Wizards can make a push for one of those top six spots, but really the Wizards are trying to make a push to make the play, and I think they have a really good chance. The Raptors aren't playing well. The Bulls aren't playing well, uh, and those are the, the two teams really that have uh, the greatest chance of challenging for one of those spots as well. But it's between the Raptors, Wizards, Pacers, and the Hornets 
right? I, I don't know. I don't think that the Hornets can come up to that uh, to that sixth spot. I think the way that the Celtics are playing, um, the Celtics are playing some really good basketball uh, right now. I don't know if the Hornets can challenge for that spot. Obviously, the Heat, I mean, the Heat pretty much are going to be in that play-in. Well, they're gonna they're guaranteed to make the play-in situation, and who knows? Maybe Oladipo's healthy. They can make a bit of a run. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, the Eastern, the the, the uh, defending Eastern Conference champions from last year. How about the New York Knicks? Like, when is the last time the New York Knicks were relevant? Like, I look at Julius Randle, and you know, I hear all this talk: Is he an MVP candidate? Is he? I mean, I don't know about all of that. I I know that. I mean, I would have to say he is. I mean, you you know, you can argue it one way or the other, right? But I think he has to be because, and obviously Thibodeau for coach of the year, as Mike Wallace pointed out on this program last week, because if I look at the Knicks and I look at the history of the Knicks and I look at the Knicks last year and the, and the piece that's different is Randall. Like, man, Randall's playing unbelievable. Like he's got 40-point games. He's scoring a bunch of points. He's getting a bunch of rebounds. He's playing on both ends. Like, the guy is just getting it done. Like, I mean, outside of, like, the Knicks are okay. I mean, they got, you know, they're they're okay. You know, you know what I mean? Like, they're okay. But Randall takes them to another level. So, I think, I mean, I don't think he's going to, he's not going to win the MVP. But if you're talking about in the MVP discussion, like we're talking about with Steph Curry, I mean, I think you have to say, that Julius Randle of the Knicks, it's the it's the Knicks. That's one thing. Like the, everybody's talking about the Knicks now because the Knicks had been irrelevant for so long, and now that the Knicks are relevant, New York is the biggest media market. So everybody's talking about the Knicks, and rightfully so, because especially with that team uh, in the same city, but calling themselves the Brooklyn Nets. Like I think once the playoffs start, unlike. Uh, the Lakers and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think the Nets are ready to rock and roll, plug and play. You just want to make sure everybody's healthy. I think those guys, I mean, that's some real firepower. Those three with Durant, Harden, and Irving. And then you got so many other players coming off the bench. They are just so, so deep. I like, I really like the Nets. As a matter of fact, I like the Nets to win the NBA championship. The 76ers. Up and down. Like, I don't know. You know, Simmons is hurt. You know, Embiid is playing very well. But, I mean, I, it, it's not enough. Like, they got to have Ben Simmons. Can the 76ers win it? What will the Milwaukee Bucks ultimately do this season? Seen them get in the playoffs. Haven't been able to get it done. Solid regular season. So, we'll ultimately see how things play out. Let me set the table for our guests today here. On From the Press Box to Press Row, speaking of the NBA, Nate McMillan, the interim coach of the Atlanta Hawks, going to join us today on the program. Speaking of solidified, the Hawks somewhat solidified, playing some good basketball under Nate McMillan since March 1st when he was named the interim coach. So Nate McMillan, the interim coach of the Atlanta Hawks, going to join us today here on From the Press Box. To press row, also joining us today here on from the press box to pro the new head football coach at Norfolk State is Dawson Odoms. If you hadn't heard, Dawson Odoms out left Southern and signed 
as the new head football coach at Norfolk State. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row as we're going to talk with him about the expectations for Norfolk State now, ultimately what happened uh, at uh, Southern, and had some interesting things to say at the press conference, the introductory virtual press conference on uh, Wednesday. As a matter of fact, so Dawson Odoms, the now head coach of Norfolk State, just a couple of days uh, as the head coach, joining us on From the Press Box to Press Row. So sit back, relax, enjoy the program. Again, still to come, Dawson Odoms. But up next, Atlanta Hawks interim basketball coach, Nate McMillan. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and on Facebook at From the Press Box to Press Row. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out all of the latest from Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-603-6298. 800-603-6298. That's 800-603-6298. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Like you know me? Like yo, I had this bad chick up town, she was had me messed up in the head, I mean. Bought the chick diamonds and pearls, I mean. Should have seen the ice shining on the wrist. We're back here on Box to Row. Still to come on the program. Gonna be joined in this segment, as a matter of fact. By Atlanta Hawks interim coach Nate McMillan going to join us on the program. We've been talking some NBA, talked a little bit about the Eastern Conference, and as mentioned, the Knicks very much a surprise, looking like they're trying to lock up a spot and not have to be in that play-in situation. 
when I look at the West, I mean, the Jazz and the Suns, okay, so the Jazz, good team, best record in the league, but over the last couple of years really hasn't proven much in the playoffs. Will that change this year? We know the Jazz is a good basketball team. We know that. Coaching is great. The players are really good. They work as a cohesive unit, play maybe some of the best basketball as a team that there is in the league, thus the best record in the league. But what will the Jazz do in the playoffs? That is the number one question. The Suns right on the Jazz heel in terms of that uh, number one spot. So we'll see. I, I Again, I think, and I think I mentioned this last week, I think the Clippers – are the team to come out of the Western Conference. Like, I I like the Clippers. They're playing some good ball. Again, you add a veteran guy like a Rondo. I mean, I think that is really, really big. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think that's really, really big. The Nuggets, you know, no, no, no Jamal, right? Like, what do you do um, with that hole? Although, I mean, listen, the Nuggets have so far played pretty solid. Without him. So we'll see ultimately how that plays out. And then you have the other. I mean, I like the Lakers. You still have to respect the Lakers, right? But then there's every other team. I don't know that the Trailblazers can really challenge. And then to me, there are no other teams that can really, really challenge. I know the Mavericks are are, are good. The Grizzlies decent. But I don't think there's another team that can really challenge. And, of course, we can pick this conversation up a little bit later on. Nate McMillan is in his 16th year as a head coach in the NBA, currently the interim head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, playing some good basketball, especially down the stretch as the Hawks looking to either move up or at least hold on to that fourth spot in the East. And right now, Nate McMillan from Raleigh joins us here on Box to Row. Coach McMillan, welcome back to the program. Hey, glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You you took over the, right at the beginning of March, and, and the Hawks have played so well. You've put yourself in a position uh, to be one of the top teams in the East. Your, your thoughts on the way your team is playing and playing over the last uh, month and a half or so? Yeah, well, we've been playing good basketball, and uh, you know, I think the thing that we have done a little better uh, than the start of the season, we're finishing ball games. Uh, a lot better you know we were uh, in a lot of games early in the season uh, but the fourth quarter was uh, a quarter we we just uh, wasn't doing a good job of finishing the game and and putting the game away you know we would have leads and uh, have some uh, control of the uh, of the game and would lose it at the end Uh, we've been doing a much better job of uh, finishing uh, the quarters playing putting together a 48 minute game and, uh, you know, getting ourselves, uh, finding ourselves back in the race, uh, the playoff race, which is, you know, which was the goal from the start of the season. It's a great thing. And, and since you've taken over, it it has uh, certainly trended that way. And you guys are entrenched right now at that fourth spot. Sunday's Sunday's win had to feel good. The victory over Indiana. Uh, of course it did. You know, Indiana, I got a great deal of respect for the players and that organization. Uh, you know, they are a team that are three games behind us. You know, even though we are in that fourth spot, 
Uh, it's a really close race uh, in the East, and you know you're, you're three games from being um, in the eighth spot or out of the playoff race. So it was a big game in the sense of uh, the standings, and uh, you know making sure that uh, we continue to defend home court. But uh, of course, uh, when you uh, are you're let go or you're traded or you move on from uh, organization, uh, and you you see that team really for the first time. Uh, you, you certainly want to uh, come out on top. And uh, it was, I thought our guys uh, really came out, played uh, extremely well from start to finish. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Indiana's a really good team. And uh, they beat us earlier uh, this season. Uh, it was important that uh, we get that. Uh, we won that game uh, to uh, keep ourselves in the race in the sense of the tiebreaker. We will see them one more time. Uh, before the end of the season, but uh, definitely, you know, all wins uh, feel uh, good, but that was a little special. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, no question you have respect, for, as you mentioned, for the Indiana organization, gave you an opportunity to coach once again after five years. But, I mean, with that said, were you surprised to be let go after receiving the extension? You had one more year on the contract. It was COVID plus your best player, uh, went down. I mean, you've been in the business a long time still. I mean, it was a lot of factors uh, that went into that, and, and you still were uh, were let go. Yeah, of, of course I was uh, surprised uh, by that uh, decision, but, you know, things like that happen in the NBA. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I had just signed an extension a month prior to that. Uh, we go into the playoffs, and uh, we get swept uh, in in, in um, uh, the playoffs by Miami, a team that eventually went on to reach the finals. Uh, they was playing great basketball, and injuries are part of it. You know, uh, when we went into the bubble last year, uh, we I thought we were going to have all of our guys, and we did have our guys uh, going into the bubble. And once we got into the bubble, Domas uh, injury uh, had an injury that uh, sidelined him. Uh, he had to leave the bubble, and that was a big loss for us. Uh, Victor uh, was was trying to come back, and uh, uh, you know, so he he has some injuries, but it's a part of the game. You know, you have to uh, have that next man up mentality. Uh, we just didn't have enough to uh, compete uh, or win a game against Miami, and uh, you know, Indiana's organization decided that, look, they wanted to go in a different direction. And uh, that happens uh, in this league, and uh, you have to move on from that. Nate McMillan, the interim coach of the Atlanta Hawks in his 16th season as a head coach in the NBA, joins us here on Box to Row. You mentioned next man up mentality. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a similar situation when it comes to coaching as well. I mean, next man up. So speak to being prepared when your name is called. And again, this is not the first time that, uh, that uh, you've had to be called upon. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, uh, this league, uh, this season has been a challenge for the entire NBA, uh, you know, basically playing a compressed season uh, with uh, the number of games uh, that, uh, you know, our guys and other teams are having to play. Uh, we're, we're having or experiencing, a number of injuries ourselves uh, right now with with our group, and uh, we've had a next man up mentality. And, and basically, what that means is the next guy in rotation has to have himself ready to play. You know, this is 
uh, something that, you know, we talk about at the beginning of the season. Uh, it's important that the players and the coaches, uh, those guys who are not getting a lot of minutes or, you know, low-minute guys uh, keep themselves uh, mentally and physically ready to go, you know, so you're preparing yourself uh, for that opportunity uh, when and if it does come to take advantage of it. And, you know, this season we've had a number of guys to do that uh, for the Hawks. You know, uh, Solomon Hill uh, was a guy that at the start of the season uh, really was in, in rotation, and he has been a starter uh, for his probably last 10 games. Uh, John Collins came back last night, but Solomon has done a really good job. Uh, you know, Brandon has uh, done a done a good job filling in uh, for Trey, who missed a couple games. And, uh, you know, we just had guy after guy step in and and, uh, and, and, and try to take advantage of the role or that opportunity uh, that they've been getting. And uh, we've been able to stay in this race. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important that those guys keep themselves mentally, physically ready to go. Uh, and with the number of games that teams have to play, uh, there's been a lot of in- injuries throughout uh, the league that uh, your guys uh, that are 11th, 12th, 13th man, uh, they got to be ready to go on any uh, any given night. Last thought on, on your coaching career. Once after Portland, right? So it's been five years in between Portland to Indiana. Did you think you would get another opportunity at that time, you know, in, 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 within that five year period uh, as a head coach in the NBA? Well, you know, I, I went to, uh, after um, being let go in uh, Portland, uh, I basically uh, called and talked with uh, Kevin Pritchard, who was then in Indiana, and uh, they had an opening uh, position, and uh, Frank Vogel uh, was losing, uh, you know, one of his assistants, Brian Shaw, and Brian Shaw went on to uh, coach uh, the Denver Nuggets, and they needed uh, another assistant. And um, I had a conversation with Pritchett, who I had worked with in Portland, uh, who was then in uh, Indiana, and talked with Frank Vogel. And, you know, it was an opportunity to, uh, you know, get back on the sidelines and coach uh, in an assistant position. And, uh, you know, that I, I was there for four years as an assistant. Uh, Frank was eventually... Uh, let go and he uh, went on to coach Orlando and the position was offered to me as uh, a head coach in Indiana. Uh, Great opportunity, another opportunity. Uh, You never know if that opportunity is going to come. You know, you you just uh, continue to to work and, uh, you know, when when opportunities present itself, uh, if you feel that it's right for you and, and that organization I uh, feel that you're the right man, then, you know, it works out. And uh, that is what happened uh, in Indiana. And, you know, a similar situation happens uh, happened right here in Atlanta uh, where, uh, you know, Coach Pierce was, was let go earlier this season. And uh, there was another opportunity to, uh, to step in and try to uh, help this organization, help this team win. And uh, that's how, uh, I move back into that first seat again. Nate McMillan is the interim head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. He joins us here on Box to Row. We've got more 
with Nate McMillan after this small pause for the cause. This is Box to Row. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Dover, Delaware for the matchup between South Carolina State and Delaware State. We pick things up in the second quarter with the Bulldogs trailing 21-14 and possession of the football. Shotgun snap. Now back to pass. Going long. Got a man wide open. Shaq Davis at the 10. 5. Touchdown. South Carolina State. 43 yards from Tyrese Nick. And we were tied at 21 going into halftime. The score remained the same until midway through the fourth quarter with South Carolina State once again having possession. Quincy Hill, a quarterback. Back to pass. Hill throws it up top. It's caught in the end zone. Shaq Davis, penalty marker down. Shaq Davis. It was interference over there, certainly, but he caught the pass anyway. It's a touchdown for South Carolina State. Shaq Davis, Quincy Hill. 414 yards, and South Carolina State had its first lead of the game at 28-21. But with two minutes and 12 seconds remaining, Delaware State would answer. Lewis, back to pass. Lewis is going to go long. Throws it out there. It is caught. Touchdown to Seth Woodley. Tied now at 28 apiece, and we would head to overtime as Delaware State received the football first. But South Carolina State's defense stood strong as the Bulldogs got a sack on third down and forced a fumble, and the Bulldogs able to recover. And the Bulldogs needing only a field goal to win the ball game. It's a 23-yard field goal. Snaps good, holds good, toes in. It's up, it's good. It's good. Right Dyson Roberts. 31-28. Dyson Roberts has kicked the field goal to win the football game. Ernest Robinson and Bill Hamilton on the Bulldogs radio network. The Bulldogs finish the season 3-1. Now, I'm going to take you to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, for one of the Box to Row National Games of the Week as Arkansas Pine Bluff was hosting Prairie View A&M with the SWAC's Western Division on the line. We're going to pick things up early in the second quarter with Arkansas Pine Bluff trailing 14-7 and having possession of the football. Ballard in motion, left, play fake. Perry, can he score? Yes. Touchdown, UAPB. The one-yard scamper by Skylar Perry, and we're an extra point away from a tie ball game. The extra point was good, and we were tied at 14 apiece. But the Golden Lions weren't done and on their next possession. As Perry drops left, throws, caught. Touchdown, UAPB. Josh Wilkes with the touchdown. Five yards, the extra point was missed, but the Golden Lions had the 20-14 lead. Then PV got the ball back, and the fireworks continued in the second quarter. Pass in the middle, caught across the 10-5, touchdown, Prairie View A&M. O'Connor with a touchdown catch, and we are tied at 20. The extra point made it 21-20. to Prairie View A&M, but the fireworks continued in the second quarter because on the ensuing possession for UAPB. Perry with the snap, short throw, caught, first down, route, he gets free, 10-5, touchdown UAPB. 31-yard scoring pass, and the Golden Lions back in front, 26 
21. And that would be the score at halftime. We're now going to move all the way to the fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, the Golden Lions had as much as a nine-point lead, but Prairie View A&M able to cut the deficit to 36-31. to And with possession of the football, with eight seconds remaining and the ball at midfield. Conley rolling right. Sacked in the backfield. Isaac Peppers the third, and UAPB wins the SWAC Western Division Championship over Prairie View A&M, 36-31. That was my man Dwayne Lewis on the UAPB Sports Network. So now Alabama A&M with its 38-14 victory over Alabama State means that the Golden Lions and Alabama A&M will meet for the SWAC Championship on May 1st in Jackson, Mississippi. Our HBCU NFL Chronicles continue this weekend on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're catching up with Jimmy Robinson of Bethune-Cookman and David Moore of Grambling. From the Press Box to Press Row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country as well as on Sirius XM. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Of course, Nate McMillan, the interim head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, joins us here on the program. Having coached against Trey Young and now being his head coach, what is it like coaching him and how special a player is he? Well, he's definitely a young talent. You know, uh, when I coached against him, uh, you know, we definitely have to prepare for him. He was the pretty much what, as they call, the head of the snake. Uh, he was the guy that was going to make this uh, this team go. And, you know, you had to plan for him um, both offensively and defensively. Now that I'm coaching him, you know, he's a, he has a lot of talent. and But he's a young point guard that is trying to take this organization to the next level. And the next level is winning ball games and getting into the playoffs. You know, so, you know, what he has to show is growth. Uh, he has to show maturity um, as this season goes on and as, you know, in, in, in years uh, to come to take be able to take this team from uh, a, a group of young guys that are developing uh, to a group of guys that are winning games and uh, plan for something and, and plan to get into the playoffs. Uh, we, we're seeing some of that growth uh, come from uh, Trey uh, this year. You know, teams are, you know, game planning most of the time to find ways to take him out. And when you have good players like that, you know, part of their growth is uh, not allowing teams uh, to take you out. You know, he's going to see more, uh, he's going to see bigger, more physical uh, players guard him. He's going to see double teams. He's going to see boxing ones. Uh, He's going to see all kinds of, uh, defensive schemes to try to take him out and part of his growth is to mature uh learn how to play against those uh different coverages but continue to be productive and help his team win and we're we're starting to see that from Trey so you're from right here in Raleigh what do you remember those days playing at in low and then ultimately like you weren't heavily which is kind of hard to believe right but you weren't heavily recruited you ultimately ended up going to what was then Shawan Junior College which is now Shawan University which plays its basketball in the CIAA No I I have always had you know really good players uh play 
with me or on my team. And, uh, you know, Jim Dillard, when I was at Enloe, was really kind of the star for us. And, um, you know, and even going to Chawan, you know, we had, you know, guys that, that were, were stars. Um, you know, so I've always been that guy who I think kind of, kind of try to keep things together, uh, that glue. Uh, you know, for team and, you know, in low was where it started for me playing for coach McLean and uh, being able to play uh, for uh, the Eagles and, uh, you know, knowing the tradition that they had and all the former players that had played there, uh, you just wanted to, you know, make that varsity team, you know, Tony Warren and Danny Young and Anthony Rogers and Tim Huber. I mean, it was just a ton of great players, uh, you know, to play for, play for Enloe and uh you know then you know once I got to Enloe and was able to get a scholarship and eventually uh get an opportunity to, to play for another a hometown uh team uh the you know the Wolfpack or N- of NC State it was like you know th- those that that wasn't even a dream because you, you just didn't think that uh that could happen you know and uh through hard work you know, things worked out for me and uh, had the opportunity to play for Coach Valvano uh, at NC State and go on to get drafted into the NBA. We're joined by Nate McMillan, interim coach of the Atlanta Hawks. You know, it dawned on me that you were part of that 86 draft class. And Lynn Bias was, of course, part of that draft class. Uh, I remember vividly. I'm from Maryland, remember vividly, I was at a sixth grade graduation pool party when it was announced that Lynn Bias had passed away. We're coming up on 35 years since that. You mentioned NC State. What do you remember most about not only those playing days at NC State, but playing against Lynn Bias? Great player, great player, great player. Um, you know, it was just a, uh, you know, I was a sh- I was shocked just as everyone else uh, was uh, when Lenny uh, passed away. You know, matter of fact, uh, probably a couple months prior to that, uh, I was traveling with Lenny. Uh, We would go bomb storming and we would play um, in different, you know, ACC all-stars would travel around North Carolina and play bomb storming games against you know, some local talent. So I had the opportunity to, you know, get to know Lenny a little better and spend some time with him. And, uh, before, uh, that draft, uh, that year and, uh, you know, just a total shock, um, to see, uh, or to hear the news, um, that Lenny had passed, you know, it's just, I mean, he, he was definitely going to be a special talent. Uh, in the NBA and just uh, sad, sorry to uh, see that we really never saw him uh, get that chance to uh, play at that level. But uh, unbelievable uh, talent uh, at Maryland. Last thought. Uh, So your days playing in the NBA with the Sonics, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, et cetera, what do you remember most about those days? And then also – did you have a, a chance to see the last dance? And what what are your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we had a. I mean, we developed it to be a pretty good team in the nineties. Uh, you know, I was drafted first, and uh, then uh, Gary came and Sean Kemp uh, eventually were drafted to 
uh, the Supersonics, and uh, I thought the organization really did a great job of uh, putting together that team, bringing in veterans like uh, Detlef Shrimp and Stan Perkins and uh, Hersey Hawkins. Uh, I mean, Vince Askew, just a number of guys during that time. We were a team that was averaging probably 55 wins uh, during um, the 90s, early 90s, and you know had an opportunity to uh, play in the 95 uh, finals against uh, Chicago and, and Michael. Uh, but we, I mean, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp were the stars on the team, uh, two young, talented players that uh, were, that developed, you know, one developed into a Hall of Famer and uh, Sean Kemp, uh, you, you, you know what he was able and capable of doing during that time. Uh, but we were a really successful team. You know, we didn't win the ultimate goal, which was a championship, but we were a team that uh, really uh, competed and, and, you know, felt that we could basically beat anybody during that time. And, uh, you know, we ended up going up against the Bulls, as I mentioned, and uh, losing uh, to those guys in the finals. But uh, just a, a very talented team. And the last dance is, you know, I mean, I was, uh, again, you know, uh, a lot of those stories uh, you, you didn't know about and uh, some of those things you did hear about. But to see how a successful team, um, you know, they went on a journey uh, that brought a lot of success to Chicago and, you know, some great players, some Hall of Fame players uh, playing on that team. Uh, it, I mean, just a very interesting uh, documentary and uh, you know to 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 see some of the things behind the scene. A lot of a lot of you know folks that are not in the league uh, that you don't know that things like that go on, uh, but they do. And a lot of times they go on with uh, majority of the teams in the league. Uh, but it was very interesting. I thought it was a good documentary. I did say last time, but I, I can't get away without asking about your son Jamel. Right, like he's an assistant coach with New Orleans? I mean, I know you're excited about that. Yeah, well, he was with the staff. Uh, you know, Jamel has uh, done a good job of establishing himself as a, a coach uh, in the NBA, and he was working with uh, New Orleans up until last year. Uh, but he is, uh, you know, working to, to get back into the league, and, you know, that's something that we'll be looking at, uh, you know, this summer. Uh, for him, but he he's he's done a really good job of establishing uh, himself as a an assistant coach in the league. He worked with Phoenix for a number of years. Well, he started off with New Orleans, uh, went to Phoenix uh, for a number of years, and then went back to New Orleans uh, to work. So uh, he's done a really good job, and uh, you know he's working to uh, get himself back into the NBA. Nate McMillan, again interim head coach of the Atlanta Hawks joins us here on Box to Row. The Hawks going to be at home on Sunday hosting the Bucks. As always, Nate, really appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Hawks. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me and uh, look forward to coming on again. I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to that time also, Nate. Nate McMillan, interim head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, joining us here on the program. The beauty of that, uh, let's see, we last had him on, maybe it was 2019, and then we had him on a previous time before that when he was with 
the Pacers. And what that really speaks to is uh, Nate McMillan knowing our program uh, because generally you'll you'll go to uh, the the media relations office and say, hey, I, you know, I'll make the request. And then the request is generally put before uh, the coach who either says yes or no. And, uh, and uh, you know, again, he's from right here in Raleigh. And so always enjoy the time with Nate McMillan here on the program. If you want to react to anything that Nate McMillan had to say, hit me up via Twitter, box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Yep, the Hawks are, are sitting right in that's, you know, right towards the bottom of the top six. But again, playing some really, really good basketball under Nate McMillan. And we'll ultimately see how things uh, pan out. The Bucs, uh, we, we talked about the Bucs uh, a little bit earlier on in the program. So this should be a great test for the Hawks playing against the Bucs. The game is going to be in Atlanta. And we'll see ultimately how uh, things play out for the Atlanta Hawks down the stretch. Your thoughts. Who do you think ultimately, what do you think ultimately happens with the NBA Finals? Who do you think is going to be in the NBA Finals? You know, I like the Clippers from the West. From the East, I definitely like the Nets. Like, I, I just think the Nets, I mean, when you have that kind of firepower, they're healthy. I mean, Kevin Durant just shows, I mean, whatever he, he is with Twitter and social media is what he is. But <laughs> when he steps on the court, that guy can play basketball and he was away for a while and, and came in and showed that uh, he was still at an elite level we'll see injuries you got to make sure he's healthy I don't blame the Nets for not playing him much it's about winning championships and that's what the three came to do with the Nets Norfolk State new head football coach Dawson Odoms is up next you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box row. Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork. You know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. That's 800-659-7980. We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's keep things moving here on from the press box to press row. I have a whiteboard in the studio and as I look at the whiteboard um you know back i think it was the latter part of february i think it was the latter part of february it may have been early march 
Uh, but on this particular show, as I look at the whiteboard, I had Will Jones as a, as a guest, the head coach at basketball coach at A&T. Uh, Buck Joyner, the head coach at Hampton. I had the singer Rach. And then also on my board is Dawson Odoms. At that time, he was the head football coach at Southern. Fast forward almost two months, he was just announced as the new head football coach at Norfolk State. And guess what? He joins us right here. I'm from the press box to press row. Coach Odoms, congratulations and welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure being on. Absolutely. I, you know, I got to start here. I, I had had a chance to be on the virtual press conference, mainly for local media. I thought you did a phenomenal job, said a lot of great things, and some of them I want to touch on uh, right now. What ultimately happened? Did did the time at Southern run its course? Were you looking to move on to Norfolk State? How, how did you ultimately end up here now at Norfolk State? You know, really, I was never looking for a job. I just – I just – Took my time and wanted to finish out the season. I thought we had a championship team uh, here at Southern, and then uh, it didn't work out. Got to the end of the season and talked to Norfolk State. Uh, just listened to them and wanted to hear them out. And they expressed that they wanted me to be their head coach. And to me, that is important. It's important uh, to be wanted, and it's important to, to make sure that you do things the right way. And I just felt like it was the right time. I felt like this job was available for Dawson Odom. Why else would it be, and why would they be calling me? So I just thought it was in God's timing that that I go to Norfolk State, and hopefully that we can continue to do the things the right way and continue to build a program and grow it to where we think it can go. No question. So obviously they reached out uh, to you. Were you – I mean, were you satisfied at Southern? Were you happy? I mean, I can think going back, you know, a couple of years ago, first hearing some rumblings uh, from the Southern alumni, which I, I, I really didn't understand. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's college football. It's competitive. Some years, teams are just going to be better than you are. The last couple of years, Alcorn State was just the class of the swag. I mean, you know, it was a couple of years where Grambling beat you a couple of times, but in at the end of the day, uh, you won six out of nine by you classic. So were, were were you happy? Were there some rumblings? What what was going on there at Southern? Well, I don't know if it was a a level of happiness or or disappointment or sadness. It's just that I'm a humble guy, and I'm gonna give you everything I got. And sometimes we come up short, but I think as a as a person and the man that I am, I realize that if I can't take somewhere where they want to go, I'm a, I'm smart enough and in my belief to be able to remove myself so that it can continue to grow. I just think that it was a great opportunity that was presented to me at Norfolk State, and I couldn't pass up on it. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with, with, with winning or those things at Southern University. Sometimes, uh, it just doesn't work. But I'm happy that, that I had this chance while I was winning and, and didn't have to go through losing to discover that it was time to go. So I'm really happy with my decision. I'm excited about the next opportunity because I really think Norfolk State is committed to becoming a champion. And when you got when you're working at a place that's committed, 
you got a chance to really be successful. And that's what I'm excited about. And I can't wait till the journey begins. I mean, you follow, obviously you vote on our, our coaches poll and have been ever since you've been the head coach there at, at 2000, uh, since 2012, meaning at Southern. Any, any concerns in terms of where the MEAC is? I mean, it's six teams when you're talking about football playing institutions. Uh, they've, you know, the MEACs lost FAMU, uh, lost uh, Bethune-Cookman, lost a and Now, any, any concerns there as it relates to the future of uh, of the MEAC? I have no concern. Uh, I think the I think the MEAC has a plan, and I think the MEAC is trying to execute that plan. Uh, Norfolk State has a plan, and if the MEAC doesn't doesn't work, Norfolk State has a plan B. Uh, I think they're 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 led by by very good people. Uh, Dr. Adam Gaston is is a great leader for the university, and Miss Melanie Webb is a great leader for the athletic department. You have great people in place. You can put your minds together and, and have a vision for things that people can't see. And that's one of the things that led me to go to Norfolk State is that I really believe that they're committed to the vision of being great, whether that's in the MEAC or whether that's in another conference. But right now we're still in the MEAC, and that's where our focus is, and that focus is trying to get Norfolk State to the top. I believe we're going to assemble a staff. And I believe that our players are going to play hard. And if they do those things and we work together, we can achieve the success that's meant for us to have. This may be the first time in the history of Bochtero that we've had uh, a gentleman on the program within a two-month period. That was the head coach somewhere else, formerly of Southern, now the new head football coach at Norfolk State is Dawson Odoms. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thought you had some interesting comments on the virtual uh, press conference on uh, Wednesday. The the trend right now in HBCU football uh, is that, at least from the last couple of big-time hires, uh, is that uh, that schools are hiring coaches that have been big-time NFL players. You, I don't know, you sort of touched on that. You, were, you, you said you were excited about the fact that you were an HBCU guy, one, a graduate of North Carolina Central, and getting the opportunity at Norfolk State. Can you kind of expound on that and and speak to what you meant or were talking about in the virtual press conference on Wednesday? Yes, when you you have the the caliber of people such as Deion Sanders and Eddie George, you have an understanding of some things that you can do and get away with as a head coach. Uh, I don't really know Eddie George. He's just getting started. But I do know uh, Deion Sanders. And what Deion Sanders stands for is an opportunity to try to make HBCUs better by holding them accountable to doing those things that, that, that we sometimes know happens at HBCUs. Uh, that's all. He's just trying to make it a better place. And I think sometimes people take take him out of context at what he's trying to do, but he's trying to share more exposure by using who he is and the people that he knows and just trying to bring some things to, to HBCUs and to Jackson State, to the SWAC and everybody else that may not that we may not have had before. Not because people didn't try, they just may not have the connections in their corner like Deion Sanders. And I really think that's what he's trying to do is share the light. 
Now, we can agree or disagree on how that light is being shined, but when I spoke with him, uh, you can see that he's trying to take HBCUs to a level that a lot of them want to go, but are you willing to commit to get there? And and that's what he want to try to embrace and show from Jackson State. A very intelligent man, very intelligent man, and he has a plan, and he's going to do all he can to execute that plan. But my thing was is that I know some coaches are looking at that and saying, um, how they can just come out of nowhere and and get an opportunity when you don't pay your dues. Well, I always say, don't worry about how another man cut his grass. Just make sure your yard looks good. And that's always been my pet peeve because that's how I was raised. I don't worry about the Joneses. I just try to make sure that you do what you're supposed to do so that you're ready for the opportunities that are presented to you. Miss Well chose Dawson Ozzie, but I was a proven coach. I paid my dues. I turned the program around, and she offered me a job. But that, I can say, I'm grateful. But that also should give hope to other coaches that are coordinators at HBCUs that haven't had their name called. But you can't get frustrated on the journey because, for one, you don't know how long it's going to take on the journey, so how can you get frustrated? You must continue to do those things well on the journey so that you can reap the benefits and the rewards that are at the end of your journey. The thing is, we don't know when the end is, but don't ever give up hope. And all I was trying to do was shed some hope to those young men that are HBCUs that have paid their dues and they may have not been called. Understood. So uh, what did you tell your players at Southern? I told my players at Southern that this is an opportunity that was presented to me that I couldn't pass up. I appreciated them for letting me be their head coach. I appreciate their time and their dedication. But they deserve more. And I failed them in giving them more. And I tried. I tried to build a better program. I I tried to give them the necessary things that they needed to become better men, to become better athletes. And I failed in that. And I apologize to them. Because winning wasn't enough to bring those things to them. And I said, man, no matter what happens, no matter the day or the week, the day or the time, I'm Dawson Odom. I'm your head football coach. No longer, but I'm forever a father and a friend. Call me anytime you need me. I'm going to be there. Because I'm not abandoning you. I'm just transitioning to a new journey. And I love you. Wow. Well, Coach Odoms, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, uh, and uh, you you were wearing that that blue and gold. Now you got the green and gold on, and uh, you still make some time for us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I really appreciate it. Again, congratulations and continued success to you and now the Spartans. Well, it's always a pleasure, but green and gold has always been a part of my life. High school colors are green and gold. My wife's high school colors are green and gold. So it looks like we're returning back to home. With both places, I have a lot of success. So hopefully we can duplicate that in Norfolk State. Go Spartans. A lot to unwrap there with Dawson Odoms, new head football coach at Norfolk State. We're going to have to do it offline on Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, 
B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. I've got to get ready to run. Thank you to Dawson Odoms and Nate McMillan for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. For more information, great content, our HBCU NFL Draft Chronicles are up on our website right now at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Don't test, test, test. We go. Don't test, test, test.